Well, we're moving very, very quickly uh, into our summer months here at Spring Valley Baptist as we move through uh, through the summer. And uh, exciting times, though, are going to be taking place in the life of the church. As Mayor Joy pointed out in announcement time, check your bulletin, uh, check the website, other places, and make sure that things are going on. If they don't involve you for you to be involved in personally, like in a children's ministry or student ministry, then uh, there are at least opportunities for you to be in prayer about that those ministries this summer would go extremely well and that uh, God would be uh, blessed in, in that process and that he would be present in these uh, meetings with our children, all the activities with children and the camps that they're going to and with somersault for our, for our students and all that they do, and that uh, God would move in the lives of the shaping our young children in faith, leading our older ones to make decisions and help them mature and grow in their faith. So the ways you can be involved in everything that goes on in the life of our church. Well, now we continue with the sermon series on, um, on these Old Testament characters uh, with the series entitled More Than Just Stories, but Life Lessons from the Old Testament. And so far we've we looked at Hannah, a woman of faith. Uh, we looked at uh, Enoch's life, a man who walked with God, and then God just took him with him. He didn't have to experience death. He just was transported into heaven. Then we looked at Noah and watched him as he built an ark to save his family. And then we considered Abraham, Father Abraham last week, and had, he had the faith to believe God's promise. Now, all these characters and the ones that are yet to come for us to consider in this series, they had faith. And, and they serve as great teachers about faith for us and about how faith intersects with the reality of life. Now, today's character is Jacob. And he is a character who really came to be transformed, I mean, a dramatic transformation in his life came about because of his faith experience. And it came through some pretty incredible experiences in life. The writer of Hebrews reminds us of, of Jacob when we see him in the latter stages of his life. And, and in Hebrews 11.21, where he is found in that roll call of the faithful in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, the writer says, by faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. Now, that's one verse, a snapshot picture of Jacob near the end of his life. So what do we find about Jacob all the way through his life? We've got to go back and put a lot of different things together. And that's the challenge with all these Old Testament characters. Their story is usually kind of long. And that's what we're going to find with Jacob today. And so we're going to have to look quickly through some passages of Scripture. But when we look at Jacob's life, I think it teaches us something about the progression and transformation of faith. To profess faith is one thing. And we talk a lot about that, professing faith. But to possess faith, to produce faith, and to practice faith, that's really something else. That's taking that faith relationship to a different level. And as I've been studying these Old Testament characters and I reflect upon what I have learned about them in, in my lifetime, uh, I think that Jacob reflects probably the greatest transformation of all these Old Testament characters in the progression of faith through which he went. And I mean, you consider that, I'm debating about who else do we look at in this series. How long do I carry this out? But, you know, you, you, you can even think about... They think about Rahab, who was a harlot, a prostitute, who was used for the glory of God. That was a great transformation. But I think when we look at the life of Jacob, he just stands out for me as one who was greatly transformed. And when we remember his name and his character uh, before he had that great experience and encounter with God, 
then I think we see how he was transformed by faith. That's what we call this being transformed by faith. And, and that transformation by the power of faith changed everything for Jacob, just like it does for anybody who's transformed by faith. It, it changed his family. It changed his fortune, and it changed his future. One writer described the different contrasts at stages in his life in Jacob by saying this, he went out young, he came back old. He went out single, he came back married. He went out poor, he came back rich. He went out healthy, he came back lame. He went out with an old name, he came back with a new name. He went out alienated from his brother, he came back reconciled to his brother. He went out walking from God, and he came back walking with God. And I think that's a pretty accurate summary of Jacob's life. And so I want us to consider his life today and the transformation by faith that took place in his life. And we're going to have to look very quickly at some of these things in his life. First of all, let's look at Jacob's character. Now, Jacob's name defines his character. Remember what his name means, Jacob? Trickster, deceiver, yeah. And we see that even in his birth. We introduced in, in Genesis 25 to that. It said Isaac, that was his father. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. And the Lord answered his prayer and his wife Rebekah became pregnant. The babies jostled each within her. And she said, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. The Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment, so they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Jacob, the trickster and the deceiver. Interesting introduction to him, right? So what do we find in his story after he's introduced to us? Well, first of all, we see uh, his character being displayed in his defrauding of Esau. When we find here in Genesis 25, his first recorded birth of twins. That was an interesting, interesting situation that the older would serve the younger. And that was not normally the way that it worked in that life back then. But we see Jacob coming out, holding on, grasping uh, the heel of Esau. And by custom and tradition, though, the birthright belonged to the firstborn of the family. Thus Esau, the older brother, was in line for that. But Jacob wanted it. And he was such a trickster and a schemer and a deceiver that when Esau came in from the field and he was faint with hunger, then Jacob deceived him with a pot, a, a bowl of soup, basically, and stole the birthright from him. There was a moment of weakness and vulnerability for Esau, and Jacob took advantage of it. And that's what tricksters and deceivers and schemers will do. He defrauded him of his birthright. And then we see Jacob's character in his deception of Isaac. Genesis 27 tells us that Jacob's father, as Isaac, became uh, blind near his death. And the time came for blessing his older son Esau. And so Jacob, once again, with the help of his mother, Rebekah, deceived his father. If you remember the story, if you don't, 
Go back and read in Genesis 27. He put on garments that would be like what Esau would have worn in the field so that he would even smell like Melon who was out in the field. While Esau was out literally in the field getting his father some wild game that he wanted to prepare a meal for him. And he was able to deceive and trick Isaac, his father, into giving him the blessings. What a, what a character. What a deceiver. His defrauding his brother, then his deception of his father. But then it even gets worse that we see then his disregard of God. This is an early part of his life. Genesis 28 tells us the story of Jacob actually fleeing for his life from Esau. And he has a great encounter with God on the way. Genesis 28 tells us that Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haram. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. I thought maybe he could have found something softer than a stone for his head, but that's what he used. And it comes to play later in the story. He had a dream in which he saw uh, a, a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And he said, and he recognized something significant here. And he said, the voice of God said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. And he went on to give some other blessings. And this is what Jacob said. Jacob awoke from his sleep. And he said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head, it served a useful purpose for this, and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Now what a great vow that he made after a, a dramatic experience with encountering God. But the reality is Jacob did not live up to that promise. God went with Jacob, but Jacob left Bethel and he left God behind. He had a total disregard for God. It was kind of a, 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 a moment of epiphany when he, when he had that encounter with God and, and he recognized God was there and he said, if, then, but then he walked away from God and he left him behind. He had other business to take care of. But that leads to what I would call the second chapter of his life that we see Jacob's conflict. Once Jacob had the apparent success of defrauding his brother, deceiving his father, he moves on to face the greatest conflict of his life in two ways. His brother Esau is hot on his heels pursuing him and so he runs from home. He goes to Paterin Aram to avoid his brother and to seek for a wife. And we find some interesting things that take place in this stage of Jacob's life. First of all, there was the exchange that confronted him. He went to his uncle Laban. And Laban turned the tables on Jacob, if you remember that story. Laban had two daughters, Rachel and Leah. Leah was the older. 
She had poor eyesight, wasn't quite as pretty as Rachel. Jacob loved Rachel. He made a decision, he made a contract with, with Laban. He would work seven years for Rachel, his wife. He did, and on the wedding night, he was surprised to learn that his uncle had switched, and he got Leah instead of Rachel. So Jacob made another covenant with Laban, that he would work another seven years to get Rachel. He wanted her. He did. He got Rachel. But he found out in that process that instead of being the deceiver, he had been deceived. Instead of being the con, he was the one who was conned. Kind of turned the tables on him. Then we see also, secondly, the encounter that changed him. We look in Genesis 32, and it tells us that Jacob is returning home to confront Esau. He's coming back to seek reconciliation. He's fearful. He's hesitant. But he's coming back to do the right thing, to seek reconciliation with Esau. And he gets to the brook Jabbok, and he sends everybody ahead, and he stays alone at the brook. He sends all of his wives, all the possessions, everything there. And the scripture in Genesis 32 tells us, So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. What a dramatic encounter he had. Up until this point, Jacob had been able to have his way with every opponent. He lost with Laban, though he ended up deceiving him a little bit before he moved on. He kind of got back and even with him. Up until this time, Jacob had resorted to whatever methods or means necessary to come out on top. But in this battle, it was kind of a dead draw. But the angel, or the epiphany with God, a pre-incarnate Christ who came and wrestled with him, touched the hallow of Jacob's thigh, and it was out of joint. Jacob went into the match a whole man. Physically, he came out lame. And though he walked with a crippled leg, he had a humble heart from then on. He was a completely different man. God got his attention. And Jacob not only had a change of name from Jacob to Israel, which means he contended with God, but he also had a different character, a different nature. And then that leads us then to the third stage in what we would call Jacob's life and say Jacob's completion. God worked a miracle in Jacob's life. He went from trickery to triumph, from foolishness to faith. And I remind you what Hebrews eleven twenty one says. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, that is when he's old and advanced in his years, blessed each of Joseph's sons, those are his grandsons he's blessing, and worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. That's a picture of a humble, faithful, worshiping man passing on the blessings. So let's notice God's progress with Jacob. When we come to Hebrews 11, it's a dramatic change we see. After his face-to-face -face encounter with God, Jacob was never the same. He had gone from wrestling with God to worshiping God. He had gone from being a deceiver to being a believer. He had gone from being self-centered to being God-centered. That was God's progress in working with Jacob through all the circumstances as profound as they were. 
God was at work progressively in Jacob's life, transforming him. And that reveals then God's purpose for Jacob. As a young man, we saw Jacob take the blessing. As an old man, we see Jacob bestowing the blessing. As a young man, we see Jacob wrestling with God. As an old man, we see Jacob worshiping God. What a transformation had taken place in Jacob's life through faith. See, through all of the events of Jacob's life, God was at work to shape and transform and mold and make Jacob into the man that he had promised that he would be. It came to the place in Jacob's life of unconditional surrender and submission. Now, that in a nutshell, the three stages of Jacob's life. So, we're talking about life lessons from these Old Testament characters. So, what are some life lessons? What are some things we can learn from Jacob's life about transformation of faith? I'm going to give you five real quickly. Number one, remember God is always enough. Jacob had this this quest earlier in his life to get more and to get more and to get more. And by any means, he would use any means to get what he wanted. He defrauded Esau. He deceived Isaac. If you read the story where he's with Laban and his uncle, um, he finally got what he wanted when he got Rachel. But he also, there was a little bit of trickery going on in there with Laban's flocks and all those kind of things. And he pulled out pretty quickly on him. When he left, and Laban came running after him, I didn't even get to say goodbye to my family and all that. But when Jacob finally encountered God, I think he experienced what even Abram did. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. See, Jacob had put his faith, his trust, and his important things in his life, in things, in his possessions. But it was when he encountered God that he experienced the fact that God is always more than enough for life. He's more than enough for us in our life in this world today. God is more than enough. So many people use all their life, burning all their energy, all their resources, trying to get more and more and more. We need to realize that God is more than enough for life. Second lesson, remove the distractions from living for God. When was it in Jacob's life that he was able to encounter God and have the life-transforming experience? It was when he came to to the brook Jabbok and he sent everybody and all his possessions ahead and he himself was left alone. And when there were no other distractions in his life, it was just Jacob and God. That's when he finally came face to face with God. With all the distractions gone in his life, Jacob alone with God, he came face to face with God and had a life transforming experience. The challenge for us today in this busy world in which we live where everything tries to lay claim upon our life The challenge for us is to eliminate the distractions. That's a a challenging question to ask today of every one of us. What are the distractions in my life that hinder my relationship with God and my growth into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ? So what distractions in your life do you need to remove or to limit? What's come between you 
and God. There are all kinds of good things out there today, but a lot of them just simply keep us so busy that we're distracted from our relationship with God. You know, it could be texting, it could be gambling, it could be news, it could be sports channels, movies, your gym, your social media. I mean, social media takes up a lot of time today. I mean, it's, a, it's really an addiction for people who own social media. I mean, I find myself, I sit down, no matter where I am, I want to put my phone there so I got instant contact with whatever I need. Now, oftentimes, all these things begin to take the place of our time that we need to spend in the presence of God. So we need to start moving distractions. And it's more than social media. It's a lot of other things that get in our way. When you remove the distractions, you have a greater opportunity to have a great relationship with God. So you can take that time that you spend on these frivolous things and less important things in life, and you can use that to build your relationship with God. You can use it for the glory of God, growing in relationship with God, and even serving God. Here's a third life lesson. If you really want to know God and you really want to serve God, you've got to get honest with God. I find it interesting in the story where, where Jacob and the man of God, the angel, are wrestling. And, and, and he, he asked, what, what is your name? And Jacob replied, uh, Jacob replied, Jacob. Now, you know, he, he came honest. He came clean. And he could have said a lot of different things. But he gave an honest confession of his name. He said, I'm Jacob. I, I'm the trickster. I'm the deceiver. And it was when he came honest with God that he got a new name and the beginning of a new life. Scripture says that the angel said to him, your name will no longer be Jacob but Israel because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. If we want to have a faith that literally transforms our life, we have to become honest with God. Who you are, what your needs are, what you've done. Another word for that is confession. And we've always heard confession is good for the soul. It's good to come clean with God, to be honest with God, confess to God. It's part of that process of salvation is you've got to confess and acknowledge your sins to God before you can come to accept his forgiveness and the redemption offered in Jesus Christ. So if you're in need of a, of a new life and a new start and a new name, then you need to get honest with God. It's only when we're honest about who we are and what we've done and what we need that we can be blessed by God. Lesson number four. The next step in this is get serious with God. A lot of believers are just living on a surface level. You aren't getting deeper with God. You aren't growing in God. You aren't growing in the faith. It's just a surface level. It's an if-then relationship. Remember when, when, when Jacob slept at Bethel? And he had the vision of the ladder that came down and the angels up and down on the ladder. And he made a startling discovery. Oh, this is the place of God. But he left God behind. He had an if then. If God goes with me and blesses me and God did go and God did bless him. But he left God behind. He really didn't get serious with God. He really didn't get serious with God until we find the latter part of that story in Genesis 35. On his way back home, God sends Jacob back to Bethel. And that's a great story to go back to Bethel. 
And he says, go back to where you encountered me. And it was there that he had another experience with God. And, and he called that place El Bethel because he said it was there that God revealed himself to him when he was fleeing from his brother. God called Jacob back to Bethel where he had made that commitment but didn't live up to it. And Jacob remembered and he repented. Every one of us needs to have a Bethel in our life. We need a Bethel experience where we can go back and remember and repent and renew. Remember the commitment we made to God. Repent of our sins and our falling short and renew that covenant relationship with God. We need to get serious with God. And when we get serious with God, we see things God's way. We respond God's way. We do things God's way. Jacob did. What a transformation. And that leads to the fifth life lesson. That's simply allow God to transform you. Jacob got a new name, a new personality, a new character. He was forever changed in his encounter with God. Because when Jacob discovered who God was, he also discovered who he was. And we find that in our relationship with God. So if you need to be reminded of that as a believer in Jesus Christ, let me remind you of what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has come, the new. The old has gone, the new has come. Other places remind us that you are not your own, but you have been bought with a price. That price is the blood of Jesus Christ. Remember who you are. Allow God to transform you because it's in that experience that you not only discover who God is, but you discover who you are. Jacob is a great example of the transforming power of faith. And if you've not experienced that transforming power of faith, then I encourage you to diligently seek for God. Because when you seek for Him with all of your heart, you will find Him. And when you come honest with God and you get serious with God, you will encounter God because He's ready and waiting for you. He's seeking you, but you need to seek Him. Jacob was a man who came to experience God and in the process had a new name, a new character, a new nature. And that might be what you need to experience today. Father, we thank you for the lessons from these faithful saints from the past and for uh, the experiences they had in life that in so many ways mirror our own journey of faith. Help us as we look at these characters and today as we look at the man Jacob that we would see how transforming faith can be in our life when we come to, to be clean with you and to get serious with you and to give our all to you and know who we are in relationship with you. Help us to be faithful to you as we've made that decision. If there are those who have not made that decision, may they come today to make that decision so that they too can be transformed by faith. And we pray this in the powerful, strong, life-changing name of Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.